Well, welcome to the One Thing Podcast, where we all get to usher in the new age of humanity, homo spiritus, by practicing dancing with the one thing that individuals, communities, and countries have yet to try en masse. That one thing is the connection to the higher self part of our true self-anatomy that people call by various different names, and we encourage you to use whatever name for that you choose. Our prime directive, above all else, as we see it, is to make and constantly return to taut connection day in and day out as our first step in dealing with life problems rather than viewing life problems as things we can solve separately from taut. So today in this episode, we'll put this question to you and we'll explore this. Does your paradigm, theology, and core belief system support or undermine your ability to feel as you most want to feel and act as you most want to act? Being able to connect with Todd is great, but where the rubber meets the road is Todd embodiment. Strengthening your Todd embodiment is what we'll delve into in this episode. Yeah, awesome. And I'm looking forward. So we'll start off with some framing. Um, and the first thing is by saying that there's a difference between conceptual embodiment and being having an embodied connection literally in our, well, actually I said that wrong. There's a difference between a conceptual and an embodied connection with the presence of life. So in a conceptual version, it's mostly just an intellectual understanding, but it isn't, we don't own it in our body. It isn't coursing through our veins and activated in our cells. And so that's a big difference, right? And it's tempting to confuse the two. It, it's actually quite common to confuse the two. Um, but 99% of the time, unless we're highly present, we actually cut our body off and we cut our heart off mainly at the neck because everything from the neck up is our head. And that's where we're doing most of our thinking and conceptualizing and intellectualizing and worrying and, you know, all, all the things that our mind tends to do. And um, th this giving the reins only to our head leaves out such an inordinate amount of wisdom that lives in our body. And this leaves us really, when we cut this part of us ourselves off, we it leaves us unable to feel how we most want to feel and act how we most want to act. And so it's no wonder why we keep repeating what we don't want to feel and do. So mm -hmm. if if you're not in direct relationship with whatever you call the one thing taught, uh, it, it will remain conceptual for the most part. And I like to say that this, this name that we use, whatever name you choose, it needs to be personal and universal. And the personal part is, is what we're talking about today, the embodied personal part. And so I'll tell you what this means to me. And then David will tell you what it means to him. Um, so I, I literally call this energy in this connection in as light, because I know that light carries love. And I know that light is a representation of the presence of life, the higher intelligence, the divine mind, love, whatever you want to call it, source, spirit, um, the, the great, um, the great mind, right? I mean, there's the great spirit, there's a lot of names that we can put to it. 
And to me, that is carried by light. And so when I flood myself with light, when I invite light in through the top of my head and into all of my energy centers, especially when I get to my heart and I ask that it overflow from my heart and, and fill every cell and fill my own physical being to overflowing and then my field around the field around me. I can feel that it is palpable. It isn't subtle to me. It used to be when I was, you know, first practicing, but now it's very, um, it's, it's, it's very palpable to me. And so, and then I have access to um, feelings inside of me that are beyond human emotions. So we can get so trapped in human emotions. And I know that one very well. I'm still getting trapped in human emotions, but I've also been working really hard to tend that piece. And the only way I can do that is by being embodied with my connection to the one thing and then tending to whatever the energy, the tangled emotional energy is that comes up. I return that to light. I return it to love. I do that through my heart. I do that through my connection to the, to the one thing. And then it changes the energy and it isn't temporary. You know, when we do externally, um, when we do modalities externally to this embodied experience, it usually isn't, um, it usually is temporary. And then we wonder why things keep coming back around. But when we, when we, when I, well, I'll speak for myself, when I am embodied and I am operating from this connection from my heart to the higher presence, and I'm very in, intentional about what I'm asking to heal or release or um, elevate, then I I find it is much, there's more traction there, I guess is the best way to say it. So that's the nutshell version on my end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. You know, I was thinking about what this means to me, and I, I realized that at this point in my life, I I have kind of an instant activation process that's sort of like a... a um, I don't know what whether hologram is uh, or holographic is accurate, but it's where I just have a a phrase and I'm flooded uh, with with uh, with that light. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the phrase for me is higher love and wisdom. And it's important to me because what that phrase activates in me now, and I again want to emphasize that this is an automatic process or an instantaneous process is the word I'm looking for. That's the result of having practiced this for a long time and a result of my recognizing a long time ago that I, at that point in my life, didn't distinguish between the conceptual and the embodied that uh that i i was so enamored of the conceptual around all of this that i largely or frequently lived in a true but not useful state where i knew better but i didn't do better mm. and over time and a lot of practice around uh, around activating light and filling my biofield with light and balancing my meridians and my chakras uh, and a number of other things having to do with balancing, uh, activating and integrating 
my core archetypal energies. Uh, after doing all of those things in slow motion, if you will, very deliberately and methodically uh, and as a discipline for a long time, what I noticed today is that when I activate higher love and wisdom, if I'm truly in an embodied state, my bodily felt sense immediately shifts. I feel infused with light. I feel infused with love. I, I, in those moments, I am not confusing the conceptual with embodied connection. And what happens for me when I'm authentically in that state, which I can't fake, uh, which is good, is that I feel such a sense of calm and well-being and joy that I know that that felt state in my body, my mind can't make up. It can't invent and pretend. It's mm. too deeply a bodily felt experience. And that to me is the barometer. If I do an instantaneous activation and I don't experience that in my body, immediately, then I go into longhand, then I'll do, you know, very deliberate steps that I learned to do in the past that I don't seem to need to use very much today. Yeah, that's such a good point. The that the mind, your mind can't, our minds can't make up that deep embodied felt sense. Yeah. And that's the difference between ease and tension. You know, underneath the layers of our stuff as we're working through, there, there's there's ease and there's peace. And it's it comes from that deep embodied place and it's hard, hard to miss. Yes. And yeah, yeah. And I what I'll add about that, yeah, is that when I when I uh, the one of the bellwethers, one of the ways that I know I'm not fooling myself is that when I'm actually in a taut connected, a taut embodied state. I have no emotional charges, none, mm, mm -hmm. no emotional charges at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. A good barometer mm -hmm. or a good way to gauge. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was working with a woman last week and actually this happens all the time, but this is just, you know, a recent uh, thing to share is that this woman is, um, you know, she's, she's really, into getting things done and being productive. And of course we all are, right? Like we're in the Western world that we were raised on productivity. <laughs> it, it courses through our blood. And, you know, we can unhook from that drive and that uphill, like pushing the boulder uphill or rowing our boat upstream and still get, and still be highly productive. In fact, I would argue that we can even be more productive um, it, when we're not uh, sort of entangled in our to-do list and in our productivity drives. And so she, she was in and, and she was talking about how she has all these things to do. And I mean, it was going on and on. You can, you can tell when someone is tangled in tension, right. And, um, you know, her boss was getting mad at her and, and she doesn't understand why her coworker won't do things on time and on and on and on it went. And I just asked her if she realized the amount of tension that she was in and she said oh no i'm not in tension I, I this is just how i am and and this is the interesting thing because i have plenty of other women i mean i've heard this for probably three decades 
and I probably mentioned it before on the podcast. Oh, no, I, I'm just a worrier. That's who I am. Well, my point is, and our point is, is that when we become present and embodied and we, we're willing to actually uh, uh, choose, like, uh, how can I say this? Well, in my vernacular, it would be, I would choose to flood myself, my tense self with this light that carries love, that is the presence of all life on, on the planet, including, including every cell of our being. There's a melting of that tension that happens. And if, if one is um, fighting for their limitations, fighting for their worries, fighting for their, you know, that's a sign if you're doing that with yourself, then that's a sign that you're actually needing this medicine. You're needing the medicine of the release from that emotional belief that you, that you're a worrier or that you have to push your boat upstream to get things done. And it, you know, we all know that stress is the underlying, you know, the underlying reason for 98% of disease and problems in our body, mind, body, and life. And so I think that tending to this piece, tending to this embodiment uh, with our, with the one thing, with our higher intelligence is probably one of the most foundational uh, bricks that you could lay. Um, there's, there's a couple other ones, but this one is so worth every moment of your attention. And I, I want to just, you know, say one last thing about this is that there's not anything wrong with being a get thing, get things done person as long as we're awake and present about the trap of pushing ourselves too hard from you know from the ego's perspective because the ego if it's not doing that then it doesn't feel like it's being very productive and successful so yeah it, and you know i want to add something about that too which is that this this whole thing about being productive i agree with you of course that there's nothing wrong with being productive there's a lot that can be right about being productive and you and i are pretty good at being productive when i think that my productivity is going to make me a good person or a right. whole person or a fulfilled person yeah that's the trap that's a signal that i am out of taught embodiment, taught connection, because when I'm busy getting things done and in a taught connected state, I'm just doing my dharma. I'm just doing what I'm doing because it's in me to do, not because I think it's going to redeem me or save me or validate me or legitimize yeah. me. Absolutely. That's a very good point. And, um, you know, when we're in what you just described as our, our taught connection, and we're doing whatever we're doing, that's a co-creative flow with life. And that's our design, actually. Our design is not to be the slave driver, <laughs> you know, whipping the back of the, you know, whoever, the slave, which is us in this case, our own selves. But it's to be, you know, in a dance with, with the energy of life. And we will only ever get that dance and that flow when we're, you know, only when we're connected with our higher, our higher self. And, you know, all of us have these lines that we cross on multiple subjects all day long, <laughs> where we push ourselves 
beyond what would be healthy or harmonious for our being, right? And sometimes because of our own baggage, and sometimes it's because we're unwitting conduits of the collective distress, but our work is to remain present and conscious and then to allow the higher wisdom, you know, the great spirit to teach us when we go over the line from ease to tense, just like David mentioned, from calm to anxious, from peaceful to stressed, and from loving to critical. That's, that's you know, our job in, in reference to this subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Are you ready for me to go on to Pareto's yeah. Law? Yeah, do it. Well, for those of you who aren't familiar with Pareto's Law, you actually are, because Pareto's Law is basically the 80-20 rule. Uh, the formal name of it is Pareto's Law, where, for example, um, 20% of our efforts produce 80% of our results. Or um, in in um, intimate relationships, the Pareto's Law that applies is that in healthy intimate relationships, 80% of the interactions are loving and connective and enjoyable, and 20% are distressed. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's not how it, uh, I'm not trying to imply that that's how it should be. I am trying to say that relationship research has, has revealed that couples, who, both of whom report being in a fulfilling, satisfying, happy relationship, report that 80% of their interactions are loving and positive. Honey, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, I would say <laughs> we are. I think, I think we're doing better than 80%. I, I was going to say, but I don't want to brag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, what the research has indicated on relationships is when that positive interaction falls below 80%, the relationship starts to be in jeopardy. So there are different versions of Pareto's law, but basically it's what I said. It's the 80-20 rule. Well, we think that there's a Pareto's law version having to do with embodiment, that most people unbeknownst to themselves are 80% of the time under pressure and 20% of the time not. Uh, and we only have to access, have access to that higher wisdom when we're in our body. And so the first goal is to shift that 80-20 percentage to 80% in a state of taught embodiment and ease and 20% under pressure as a way station or as an, you know, a, a an intermediate stage or phase on the way toward moving in the direction of more closer and closer to 100% top connection. But if, if that seems like too big a leap, then just start to shift that 80-20 rule. Yeah, good, good, uh, good idea. And one of the other reasons this matters very much is because you may or may not be aware, but there's tons of research on this and it has to do with brain chemistry. When we're in a state of, of stress or tension or pressure or, you know, struggle, there is a 
particular cascade of brain chemistry that gets released and it's instantaneous and it's constant if we're in a constant state of tension. And that brain chemistry is, is quite corrosive. And so we wonder why we have high levels of inflammation and chronic disease and, you know, struggling immunity and all the things, right? There's just, there's a lot of imbalance and dis-ease, you know, in the world right now. And what if a large part of it is, it has to do with this, right? What we're talking about. On the other hand, as we move our our um, ease more into the 20, or excuse me, into the 80% part of the equation, then a completely different version of chemistry is released from our brain. And it's the same idea, like when we take a deep breath or when we do a meditation or have acupuncture or get a massage, it forces our body into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the healing branch of our autonomic nervous system, which triggers an instantaneous release of different chemistry, which is healing and calming and peace-inducing. And in my view, this might sound a little, I don't know, hard, but this is our job as a human being, is to is to be aware of this and each of us do our part so that we're contributing to the collective consciousness, you know, a, a healthy energetic rather than an unhealthy energetic. So um, did you have anything else you wanted to say on that? No, I think you covered it beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and adding to the research moving beyond brain chemistry, research also continues to bear out that when we make our choices based only in our head, what's the boss of us is our past trauma and programming, not our highest intentions, not our desire to feel the way we authentically most want to feel and act the way we authentically most want to act. And this is what keeps us in the gap we've been talking about in this episode between conceptual um, belief in the importance and the value of top connection and embodied top connection. And this gap in turn is what causes us to remain limited in our ability to receive and express what our hearts crave. Mm, so true. And this, I, I can't emphasize this enough that, you know, I'm a pretty head-based kind of guy. And so it's a daily practice for me to be on the lookout for that, to notice that when I, when I have moved into my head as rapidly as I'm able to notice that and to shift my orientation, to reestablish my connection with my, with the embodied experience of Tot, uh, so that I keep reducing that gap uh, between what I know better about and what I'm actually living out, what I'm living uh, from a place of inside me. Right. Yeah. And you you do a beautiful job of that. And I just thank it, you. It, you do too. Thank you. I think it bears. You know, I, I just want to say on that too is like it is hard work to do that, but I also feel like it's harder work to not do it. Like it's harder to be stuck in our head. We when we and don't and not having any access to a, 
a wisdom and a, and a peace and a, a serenity and, and, you know, solutions and co-creative options that we would otherwise have if we, if we chose to be embodied as well. And I would, I would add a similar message from a slightly different uh, angle, which is that if we're choosing between hard and hard, then hard is not the criterion to use about which choice to make. If we're choosing between hard and hard, we might as well choose what's hard about tot connection versus what's hard about the prices we pay when we're not connected with tot. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, we're choosing hard and we're choosing the one that's going to be most serving, the one that's going to have the greatest payoff to us. Yeah, brilliant. And speaking of brilliant, that tends to be a, an English term. And so we'd like to leave you with just a couple of takeaways. And the first one is mind. British term, right? You're referring British. To I meant British. Yeah. Did I yeah. say English? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Thanks for catching that. Yeah. So um, our first takeaway for you is to mind the gap, which is also a British term, <laughs> which if you don't know, it's that space between the platform and the and the subway and, you know, it's death defying if you don't mind the gap, right? So the tube in, in England, the tube. <laughs> yeah. And um, it, it kind of, I mean, it sounds dramatic, but I would also say that, you know, consider how death defying it is to not mind the gap between your head and your heart and your embodied self. Um, it It's, it's, it's got its own challenges. So anyway, Takeaway number one, mind the gap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And second takeaway that we want to offer to you is our encouragement that you make a daily practice of noticing when, uh, without judging yourself, when you're not feeling as you most want to feel or acting as you most want to act, because just noticing that without criticizing yourself, without judging, is at least what I find to be the fastest way to notice when we're out of top connection. If I don't like how I feel, or if the things I'm saying don't reflect what I really want to be saying, uh, or if the way I'm acting doesn't reflect the way I most want to behave with people, that is a completely 100% reliable indicator that I am out of tot connection. I am disconnected from tot. So the point of making a daily practice of noticing that without judgment is that that noticing, the, the, the acknowledgement of, I don't like how I feel, or I don't like what I'm saying, or I don't like how I'm behaving, that then becomes the the wake up call inside us to reconnect. Yes, beautiful. And then the other um, thing to consider is that constantly or as often as you can think of it, dropping into your body through breath, because that, you know, we're taking in spirit, uh, life force every time we inhale and take a breath. And doing so without judgment, David mentioned that in what he just said, for whatever you're experiencing. So you're 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 acknowledging, you're um, accepting, you're witnessing, you're observing what's going on without judgment. And if you so desire, you can 
you know, say a prayer or bring light to the area, wherever you're feeling, whatever you're feeling in your body. And it's, I mean, tension shows up in specific places for most of us in our body, right? So if you don't know where tension tends to instantaneously show up, then you might want to get to know that in your own body. And then, and then do this practice where you drop in, you go to that place, you take some breaths, you maybe direct that breath, those breaths into that place in your body and just keep breathing with acceptance, without judgment. Uh, and it often dissipates that tension a good portion of the time. And it's a lovely practice. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said. And what I'll add to that is that just as I have been someone who tends, when I make a mistake, my tendency is to go into my head. I have known people who, when they make a mistake, their tendency is to go into what they call their heart, but they're as disconnected from their bodies as Mm. I am when I'm in my head. Mm, Good point. And I'm saying that because I can't emphasize or reinforce what you said strongly enough about the importance of dropping into our body. If, if our body doesn't experience top connection, it doesn't matter what we know in our head or how much we, we believe we are connected to our heart. If our body hasn't come along for the ride, then top connection is not fully established. Yeah. Very beautiful. Beautifully said. Yeah. So uh, the, the kind of the backup plan, because we've, we've tried to offer three takeaways that are uh, probably the Pareto uh, Pareto's law. Again, 80% of the time, if you mind the gap and you make a daily practice of noticing when you're not feeling as you most want to feel and acting as you most want to act and you drop into your body, um, the, the result is, is going to be taught reconnection, give or take 80% of the time. And I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm speaking for conceptual clarity. I'm not really talking about actual mathematics here. Um, if a connect, a disconnection reinforcing theme, however, that we're living with keeps repeating despite us doing this kind of practice, it just keeps resurfacing over and over in various situations. All that means is that that theme is calling for deeper healing. No harm, no shame, no fault, no blame. We all have baggage. Uh, We all have undigested life experiences where we haven't fully harvested uh, gifts from those experiences that restore us to love and wisdom and top connection. That's part of the human journey. So if you notice that there are certain themes that are not responsive to you doing these simple kinds of steps without judgment, just remind yourself that, that um, results are showing you that there's a deeper healing that's called for around that theme so that you can ultimately practice the, these kinds of approaches, even with that theme. Yeah. After you've done that healing. Beautiful. Well said. And I would add to that, that 
if it's coming up for you, you know, in that kind of, oh, here it is again, here it is again way, it's up and it's present for you because it's ready to be healed and released and transformed. Otherwise, you wouldn't be aware of it. It wouldn't be coming in, into your uh, conscious awareness. And most importantly, if something is coming up like this, it does not mean that you are wounded or broken irreparably. It simply means that you, like every single one of us, ha have the capacity to tend to, to the energy and and do the healing, right? So, right. You, yeah. It means you're human and you can choose. And you have the capacity. That's, you know, a lot of times people don't think they do because they get lost in this, I'm so broken and effed up and wounded place. Or they or they hide behind the, the script you were talking about earlier called, oh, that's just the way I am. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, those are all just veils and distractions and, you know, that kind of thing. So don't, don't get stuck in those traps <laughs> is all we're saying. All right. So we would love to hear in the comments, we have a new page for our, um, for our podcast that David set up. It's, it, you can find it at totpodcast.net. That's T-O-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T period net. And we would love to hear your comments. And we'd also love to hear from you what topics that you might want us to talk about in our next episodes. Mm -hmm. And until we hear something from you, then we'll just keep picking. But we'd love to have an exchange with you so that we know, you know, what might be juiciest for you, especially as we, you know, come into a new year. So until well, next time. at least time. as we're recording this, we're coming into a new year. Yeah. So until next time, remember to dance with your better half, the one thing, so you can keep living more and more fully as homo spiritus. Mm -hmm.